All right, let's get to it. Fun week of NFT NYC. A lot to talk about. Another company gone under. Hacks. Big news. New friends. Let's dive right into it, Parisa. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, NFT NYC was super fun. It was my first, you know, real Web3 IRL event. It was nice to see it coming together. Um, met a lot of cool people. I think the events that stuck out to me the most was definitely Doodles. I liked Pudgy Penguins. Um, I liked Rogue Radio, too. I think each event you get to see a new type of community uh, and a new type of like energy and vibe, which I really appreciated. Um, what was that one that we went to with that huge line outside? Oh, the Cool Cats event. Cool Cats was super cool too. I think it was just cool to see everyone come together despite the current market conditions. Um, it was really hopeful and you know I'm excited to see where this goes for the next coming year. What were uh, your expectations and was it was it met? That's a good question. Expectations were honestly low. Like as you know, I'm new to the NFT community. I had my expectations were it's just going to be a bunch of guys that are like super into the art or into the tech behind NFTs. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised. Like I saw a lot of girls there, um, a lot of people who are more into like community and social culture that the NFTs provide to them. Um, and a lot of people with different backgrounds, like there was people coming from like e-commerce backgrounds, people coming from just web two social media influencer backgrounds, um, people into fashion, people into gaming. Like, I think it was great to see all those people come together. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting conversations. Okay, yeah, so what was your favorite event? My favorite event. Uh, honestly, I liked a lot of events, but I think by far my favorite one was, I would say Pudgy Penguins for me, just because the people, obviously I got to see a lot of my friends from the e-com world. Uh, also, I have a personal relationship, obviously, with Luca and some of the founders and the team there. And I just enjoyed my time there for sure. It felt like home. It felt like that community specifically is uh, more of a younger crowd. Like if there's one thing I noticed about the NFT space is each project attracts a specific community, right? Attracts a specific persona and demographic of people. And I think I found the best demographic that fits what I look for at least in projects in the Pudgy Penguin community uh, and the Doodles, the Doodles too, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think about like the Shopify collab, like Web 2, Web 3 collaboration? I honestly like I find it interesting, but I didn't really think about a space for Web 2 brands like Shopify in the Web 3 space. Yeah, I mean, Shopify is one of the biggest merchants in the world, right? Like all big e-commerce slash online sales and brands usually come from Shopify. So when you see Shopify sponsoring and putting on events with uh, NFT projects, it should be a really bullish sign for you to be like, okay, like this is getting serious, right? Especially with their last update, I believe they just rolled out like shop, uh, Shopify slash Web3 partnerships, which is allowing all their merchants to get access to token gated stores, right? What that means is now you can, as an e-commerce slash typical Web2 brand, you can actually go ahead, launch a store and say, hey, some of these stores uh, or some part of my store and products is going to be token gated and it's only going to be for holders of this nft 
And on top of that, Shopify is actually supporting people and store owners to go ahead and mint out and sell out NFTs through their platform. So no code, no gas fees, and they're taking a lot of the heavy lifting off of the actual founders, entrepreneurs, companies plate. And when I see that, I'm like, yeah, like it's bullish. It's very bullish. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see more Web2 incorporation into Web3. Like I think Shopify covers the consumer end of it and the business retail end of it, but things like Instagram and Snapchat also getting involved and letting you, you know, use your NFT as your profile picture, or you can view your NFTs on your profile, like a wallet. I think that's a cool incorporation as well. And then we see things like Spotify collaborating with other artists to sell their NFTs on their platform. I think it's an all-encompassing thing where different sectors are realizing, hey, there's a space for us in Web3 as well. And I'm excited to see that grow. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like what we've been talking about, obviously, throughout like New York. And we had a lot of these conversations, right? It's like, hey, how do you how do you guys feel about Web3 and NFTs and like where do you think this this is going to go right and it's like now is the time where you start seeing a lot of these smaller brands or smaller companies starting to get really built out and you also see a lot of these bigger ones that have existed let's say the last year or this last bull run start to die out right and it just goes to show that it's like the quiet times is really when you want to be out in the field researching talking to people and figuring out okay where are the problems in the market and what problem or what solution can I fit and find for this problem? And then how can I get involved in it? Yeah. And speaking of big names, I'm going to do a little topic change. Let's talk about Bill Gates. Okay. So I don't know if you heard, but Bill Gates last week in an interview said that he thinks NFTs and crypto are built upon the greater fool theory, and he's not going anywhere near it. Um, and if you don't know, greater fool theory just means you buy something and you buy it with the belief that you can resell it because someone else is a greater fool than you and they'll pay more than you. And that's how you'll make your money. Um, I think it's just funny to hear that, especially like I looked at Bill Gates as an innovator for the internet because he is. And, you know, he had a lot of doubters, a lot of people who didn't understand the internet in the 90s. And a lot of people in the Web3 space refer back to that time in the 90s where people doubted the internet, said the internet was dead after the dot-com bu bubble burst. Um, and look at where the internet is today. And that's a big motivator for people in the Web3 space. So hearing Bill Gates basically shit all over Web3 is a little bit, it's a little bit hurt, damaging in your like hope and faith. But I also think there's nothing wrong with having a greater fool theory component in your industry. I mean, that's what drop shipping is. That's what designer labels do. Why do you buy a Rolex or a Gucci, Gucci bag or a Gucci belt? It's not because something inherently about it increases value over time. It's just that someone else over time will pay more than you did for that asset or drop shipping. Like you put in the labor to find a cheap asset and you resell it for more. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's actually pretty common in our market. And I think crypto and NFTs are probably a more energy efficient way of doing it. Like drop shipping, you're wasting labor, resources, time of many different sectors to make one sale. NFTs, it's all online. It's actually a lot more efficient and it's a lot easier to make money that way. Here's, here's my take on how Bill Gates 
feels about Bitcoin, right? I think he's 100% right about being the great fool theory. Why? Because if you look at the current crypto state and the crypto community, the majority of the people are buying either for hype or FOMO, right? Like if we go on the street and we ask people, hey, what do you think Bitcoin is being used for? Or what is the main use case for uh, AVAX or Ethereum? They have no clue. They just know, hey, I heard this is good. Same thing with like Cardano. Like you hear about Cardano, Cardano, Cardano. This last bull run, they were like, yeah, I bought Cardano. Why? I don't know. Somebody told me to, right? So I think what Bill Gates says, yeah, Bitcoin's based off the greater fool theory right now. I think he's 100% right. And I think what he's really trying to imply is that like you guys should really do research and learn more about the utility of crypto before you start buying in hopes of making money off of it. So I totally agree with him because it is like that's just the reality of the market right now, right? It's like people are buying cryptocurrency to get rich, not to not for its utility, definitely not for its community. All right. They just want to buy and get rich. And that's the main problem right now that we have within the cryptocurrency community. Yeah, I agree. Definitely on the periphery, people who don't know much about it are getting into crypto and NFTs because they think it's a get rich quick in. Um, but then there are the people who are inside of the community, like especially like Bitcoin. I think if you are anti-establishment, if you are anti big banks, big corporations, big government, Bitcoin is the crypto to be researching right now. It is the best way to avert your spending power to big corporations, their corruptions, their corrupt power. Bitcoin is for you. So if you don't know where to start researching and you think there's something wrong with how our government operates or how big banks operate, I mean, let's look at the 2008 crash. That's because big banks were too big to fail. It was a collusion between our government and our banks. If you think there's something wrong with that, if you are politically inclined to be like left leaning or super far right leaning on either end of the spectrum, I think Bitcoin is a great opportunity for you to look into diversifying your spending power. Yeah, 100%. I want to do a challenge. Once we hit 500 subscribers or 1000 views on this video, I'll go ahead and I'll buy one full Bitcoin live on the podcast. So if you guys are watching this, make sure you either share this with a friend. If you want to see us spend some money live, drop a like, share this. We really appreciate it. And you get to see us spend some money. So I think that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be dope. Bitcoin Maximo. <laughs> uh, okay. Tell me about this, though. Hold on. Okay. While we were in New York, news broke out, right, about the Bored Ape Nazi Club, pretty much. I have not got a chance to watch the full video. I did do a little bit of research, obviously, but I know you did. So tell me your take on this whole situation that's going on. Bullish, bearish, why? Okay. Well, if you watch the video, it's only an hour and it's really thorough. Like there's over 80 connections with Bored Ape Yacht Club and Nazi symbolism and other things relating to like the Soviet Union, fascism. After watching that video, you cannot deny that there is a very, very, very strong chance that Board Ape Yacht Club is either neo-Nazi or it's pretending to be neo-Nazi and it's trolling all of us, right? It's one or the other. They're either doing it as a troll or they genuinely are of that camp. 
Um, my take on it is I think it's kind of genius. Like despite the dark, dark, dark center of it, I think it's genius to be like, people go after money. They go after hype. They don't really care about the message. They don't care about the values. And we see that in every industry. Food. We know that our chickens and our cows are being over-farmed, treated poorly. Clothes. We know fast fashion depends on slave labor. We know that fast fashion is horrible for our environment and we still do it. We know fossil fuels are horrible for the environment. We know drilling is horrible for the environment. We still do it. And now we just see that in a new sector in NFTs. It's nothing new. It's human nature. People will go for money over everything else. And I think Board Ape Yacht Club is just another example of that. Yeah, I agree. And I, when I look at Board Ape Yacht Club, I look at social status. Therefore, I don't see social status going anywhere. And that's why I think Board Apes will continue to be who they are and what they are for the rest of time, pretty much like at least. Uh, that's just my opinion. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but Ryder Rips, he had his own NFT kind of trolling Board Ape Yacht Club, and it's topped the charts almost instantly in volume of sales. It's completely sold out now. It's minted out. So I think, I mean, unlike food and clothes where people buy based off of necessity, NFTs are completely socially derived value. Community can determine whether an NFT is valuable or not. It's not based off of necessity. You have a choice in this. And I think that's what Ryder Rips is doing with his NFT project. He's saying, you know what, we're a community and we can decide on our community values. We don't have to have Board Ape Yacht Club be this hype project. We can do the anti-Board Ape Yacht Club and that can be just as hype. Um, it's really just about where the community decision goes. Um, and I'm excited to see where it does go. Yeah, same here. Funny enough, right? Like when we were in New York, we did a lot of these like street interviews asking people their opinion about like utility versus community, right? Surprisingly enough, the majority of the people that we interviewed, and you guys can watch these interviews on TikTok and our shorts, obviously, and, and social media, people continue to pick community, right? Time after time after time, people kept saying like, I buy NFTs and I look at the community first. And, and when I see that, it's interesting because it goes to show that a lot of the people really don't care about the utility or the team behind it or what this NFT does for me. They're really just buying into social engineering in a sense, right? Like they want to buy because this cool person bought. They want to buy NFTs because my friend bought. Oh, they want to buy this NFT because this hot girl bought it. Right. So they just want to get into some type of community that they feel that they can grow or be a part of, which is honestly pretty mind blowing to me instead of actually buying NFTs for their utility, which is what I think it's the industry is going to develop into next. And, and I and that's hence why I think a lot of the projects now are obviously dying out is because that community is just not so strong to survive through all this time. I agree. And I think right now is the best time to build a community. If you want to get into NFTs and create your own project, right now is a great opportunity to start socially engineering that community that you want to see. Because in a year or two, I think it's going to be totally dominated by huge retail players like 
Nike, Prada, designer fashion. I think those companies are going to completely saturate the market in a few years time. So right now is the best time for small individuals to start getting a share of that market. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of Nike and Prada, I believe it was Balenciaga. Balenciaga did a collab with Meta for the first ever uh, Facebook slash fashionable NFTs. And so obviously once Meta branded or once Facebook turned into Meta, <laughs> I'm just going to go over here when I have research planned out is they tweeted at Balenciaga, <laughs> what's the dress code in the metaverse, right? And then from there, obviously, they kind of initiated the first conversation of what it's going to look like to be able to hit clothing stores inside the metaverse, right? And start dripping out your avatar. And yeah, I mean, it sounds and looks really dope. I'm not sure if you guys seen it, but we'll pop something up here on the screen. And it's pretty much turning, you know, your casual, basic looking avatar into the avatar that you want. Uh, to look like. And on top of that, Meta did release a video showing us what the metaverse could or would look like. And I don't know if you've seen it, but one of the most fascinating things that I seen in that video was the doctor or the nurse doing surgery while she had the Oculus on. Yes, I did. That is an actual real world use of Oculus. And I saw um, not only in med school, can you utilize it for practicing, but also just in elementary school, like instead of going out on a field trip, you can have your class put on an Oculus and do a field trip that way. Like, I think that's genius. That like brings that brings real utility to it, not just social fun aspect. Um, but going back to the Balenciaga thing, I just want to make a comment. Honestly, I fucking hate this idea. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. We have a metaverse. We can be whatever the fuck we want in this metaverse. Where is the creativity? I'm looking at these outfits. This is something I would wear in real life. Like if I'm putting on expensive technology on my face to enter this whole made up world, like I want to look like a fucking fairy. Like, I want to look cool. I don't want to look like myself, but just made as an avatar online. Like, where is the creativity? I think this is so boring. Like, how are you going to engage people when it just looks like, I don't know, it looks like yourself? Yeah, I agree. I think, well, what Facebook's trying to do now is it's, it's trying to build off the same habits and hmm, what's the word here that I'm trying to find? Okay, so, so what I think Facebook's trying to do now is obviously just customize this new world the same way it is now, but give you more features with a lower entry level, right? Meaning, why start with Balenciaga and why I think it's genius, right? Because I think it's fair to say that the people who are going to be spending money in real life on digital or the people who spend money on real life on fashion clothes and high expensive clothes are more likely to be the same people who are going to spend money on clothes like that in the metaverse, right? Like if I look at it this way, right? If somebody's in the metaverse to do surgery or hone their skills, they're not going to be there to buy clothing, right? They're going to go for right, practical right. skill sets. 
But the people who are going to be doing that are the kids, the players, right? The people who aren't going to be in the metaverse to play games. And I think it's just an easy upsell for them to start saying, hey, like, your dad's not going to buy you Balenciaga or you're not going to buy this Gucci or Louis thing uh, in real life. So you might as well buy it here for a portion of the price. Okay, cool. So we have a friend hopping on here uh, and we'll let him introduce himself. But this is our first episode with a guest. So why not? We just met Hydrate at the Baroque uh, event, Rug Radio. Parisa, you did get an interview with Baroque, right? I did. I did. He's super cool. He's super humble. I think that's exactly what the space needs. It's someone who's, he's totally about community. He's totally about the art. Like he doesn't seem like a cash grabber at all. Like he's invested in the future of this space. And that's what I appreciate. Like the genuine energy that he gave me during our interview. Um, it was dope. It was a really nice conversation. Let me ask you this. Do you say that? Cause you guys have uh, similar backgrounds. <laughs> no, 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 no. I say that because he like I listen to his spaces on Twitter like every week. Yeah. He's very committed, he's very consistent. And so like whatever he does, I'm invested in it because I'm invested in him. I believe in his power to bring projects to life. Um I think the event was cool. Like he he had displays of different artists all over the walls, digital displays. Um he's definitely someone to look out for in the future. I think this is just the beginning of him in the NFT space. Drew, welcome on board, bro. It's good to see you. We met you at the Rug Radio event, right? You had a lot of great points to talk about. One of my favorite things to do was uh, obviously hear you talk in Arabic, right? Because I never seen somebody so fluent in Arabic that's non Arab. That was pretty mm. cool. But one thing you did talk to me uh, about was the ENSs, right? And obviously, how you've been able to maximize that opportunity where a lot of people might have not even heard about it or just didn't really think there's that much opportunity in it. So let's open up the conversation with obviously a little bit about your background, let's dive into the ENSs, and then we'll open it up from there. So I, you know, went straight out of college. I worked for Comcast for 12 years. I did management and telecom. And about four years before I left there, I was like, I gotta start building my Web3 brand. And one of the first things I did was I got cryptohydrate.eth. So, you know, I, I just urge everybody to experiment Web3. And this is really the first NFT that your friends or family could get. You know, get your ENS name. It's cheap. It allows you to set as a primary. And when you log into any Web3 site, it's a little more familiar. You see, you know, an identifiable address. So that's my number one shill. Super easy. And, uh, you know, ENS is an interesting project because it has so many applications. So like there's a website called ENS.vision and people are putting these different clubs together. You know, uh, there's the 999 Arabic club, there's the five digit club, the four digit club, the three digit club. So um, there are so many applications and possibilities and ENS being one of the oldest projects on ETH it has that trust factor built in, so it's going to allow people to develop a community and not have to worry about some of the security stuff or some of the uh, other complications that you would have if you were launching your own smart contract or hosting. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say for our viewers, um, you know, most of them are here for 
money-making opportunities. I think this is a great money-making opportunity. NFTs are super saturated right now. ENS would be a great thing to look into. I think, think about big brands that you think would be in this space. Think about retailers that want an ENS domain. It's like having, like if you had the Nike name on Instagram, Nike would definitely offer you some serious money to buy that off of you. Think like that when it comes to ENS domains. What domains are still available that you can snatch up right now and resell to a brand that would want it? I think that's a great opportunity to look into right now. Did you see what happened with IBM? No, it happened. <laughs> IBM uh, DMCA'd their ENS domain. So it, it remains to be seen you know, how brands are going to respond. But GoDaddy famously put out an article recently that said brands as a, a you know aggressive strategy should register their domains if they can or try to acquire them they said like they don't think it's they don't think like web3 is going to be widely adopted yet which we know it will be but they told the brands like do it just in case and that's very bullish so and that was official like straight from godaddy so and I've, I've heard of some pretty big ENS sales, right? Like Wendy's, I believe, uh, was one of them. Like, am I, am I right there, Drew? Yeah, there's, you should definitely follow the bots because that tells the whole story. So let's talk about NFT NYC. I know you were at ApeFest. Can you tell us a little bit about that, especially given, you know, the Board Ape Nazi Club video coming out just in time? Um, what was the vibe there? You know what? Ipfest was cool. They had a VIP section, so a lot of the people that you knew, if you didn't have the VIP, you wouldn't have seen them. Um, I feel like the, it, it was, there were some similar opportunities there to VCon, so I went to VCon as a volunteer. And uh, they had two little food trucks. Like They only had a couple trucks outside and a couple trucks inside, and people were waiting 30 minutes to an hour. They shouldn't have to be waiting. I mean, they're at this festival for four or five hours tops. So it doesn't hurt to, you know, arrange a couple more trucks. Like inside the venue, there was long lines for food. There was long lines for things. This was the same thing at VCon. And I just feel like if you're having a, a curated experience like this, people are paying top dollar to get in here. So I wouldn't try to have any areas where they're waiting in line too much. Like it doesn't make sense to me. VCon, they had it at a fucking stadium and they still had huge lines to get into the parties and I think like the lines are cool for networking and shit like that, but people should not be waiting over 30 minutes for anything. In, in no, view. and I think it's funny you say that because after watching the Board Ape Nazi Club video, we know this project, this group of developers is very detail oriented. So for them to lack in that detail orientation on the event is surprising. Well, I don't think they lacked, honestly. I think it was just a disappointment. This may be something controversial that, you know, people may comment on, but... I think with the amount of money that Yuga Labs and Board Ape has, they should have delivered something way more high quality. Like we look at the Cool Cats, we looked at the Doodles, like they're barely as big as those projects in terms of revenue wise, obviously, and profit wise that they've made. It's like, you're really gonna book one floor in a building and offer two food trucks and just bring in some rappers for people to do it. And maybe that's what their community wanted, right? But for me, when I look at something like that, I just see like, lack of creativity to be honest it's like they just want to throw a party like i i went down to the merch line and i was about to drop 500 you know thousand dollars for merch 
but it was too long. My feet were hurting. You know, they didn't have anywhere to sit down. I'm a boomer. So I was like, fuck, I I can't be standing around here doing this line. So yeah, like Ape Fest. And then I went to World of Women party last night. They didn't have nowhere to fucking sit down. Only the VIP had the seats. So it's just little things like that. I mean, they're learning. But when you have something that's not trustless in Web3, you really have to scrutinize it carefully because, you know, it's not like they said, hey, we promised nothing, but, oh, yeah, we're going to now put on a show. This was part of the promises that they were making and things that they were saying they were going to do. So it's got to be on point. It's not hard to do events. And every time you have an event, Somebody posts on Twitter like, oh, I do event planning. They could have done this. And it's always like the most obvious fucking thing. So I think part of what you're seeing is when teams make a lot of money, they get lax. It happens. You know, I call it the parabola brain drain. The the engineers leave. You know, the team disbands once they got their money, though. You know what I'm saying? So so I think once people make a, a bunch of money, they stop trying. And uh, they get knocked down and they get, you know, a lot of feedback. And then that's really telling how they respond to that. Will they step it up and hear the community and do what's needed? Or will they just say, I got my bag, I'm fading out? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. I think Board Ape Yacht Club is definitely one of those projects that's after the bag. I don't think, I mean, I'm just so scarred after watching that video. I have no faith or hope in this project. Mm -hmm. I think they are trolling everybody. I think they threw an event together because they had to, not because they wanted to provide people an experience. Um, I'm so anti-Board Ape Yacht Club, it's not even funny. The roots were good. So I went on day three. The roots were fantastic. Future was such a sweetheart. It was a good concert. You know, it was a good concert, but I, I I didn't want to go wait in a in a food line for an hour or a merch line for two hours, um, but you know what Th- these these folks are trying and I think like we don't want to bash Yuga too hard because they're one of the yeah oh I'm okay too but what I'm saying is like we have to think big picture like they are repping they're repping Web three all of our bags and all of our reputation is affected by the big projects and, and how they deliver. So you asked me about doodles. I'm like, fuck yeah, I fuck with Pharrell hard. <laughs> Pharrell made a lot of beats for, for Noriega, uh, my favorite rapper based here, Left Rack City, Queens in, in New York here. So I don't know. I, I always tried to help projects, even if I hated the project or thought that it sucked. I'll give you an example. I famously lost $23 trying to mint stoner cats. And this is a great story. So, like, I'm in the Stoner Cats Discord. Now, this is the project. It was the first to feature Vitalik Buterin uh, as an official partner in an NFT project. It had Myla. It had Ashton. It had Chris Rock. You know, it had it all. So, with Stoner Cats, what you guys know what happened with their mint, right? This was last. This was last summer. Okay, so this is this is ancient history at this point. Stoner Cats devs copied the Crypto Poops contract, which they had used a couple years prior, and it was a very poorly optimized contract for gas. So, like now you have ERC721A, which takes a lot of the baggage out of the contract and allows you to mint cheaper. 
So they didn't they didn't do that, and they didn't do a raffle like Moonbirds, which would avoid a gas war. So they lost a million dollars of ETH. And the analogy that the devs use is it's like if you have a cargo plane and halfway through the flight, you just drop the cargo into the ocean. So that's, that's the way the transactions worked. So if you tried to mint and it failed, you lost a huge amount of gas. And so their CEO of, of Big Head, which is the company that took the Stoner Cats contract, their CEO is Mac. He used to work with Dapper Labs. He had a lot of experience, a lot of trust. And I got on the phone with him. I actually made a whole deck, like a corporate fucking style deck, to show them how they could fix the problem. Like all the options and the, the, the damage to their brand if they didn't fix it and all the like possibilities and, and everything. So they ended up refunding. Even at one point he had said, we're not refunding. We're not refunding a million dollars. And everybody in the NFT community was on their ass. And like Tropo Farmer and like the Cool Cats dev got in the, the Discord chat and they were yelling at Mac and they were going hard. And so I was trying to help them. So I was a moderator for Stoner Cats for that week. And I was actually on vacation. Oh, wow. But I could see they needed help. So even though it was like the most down bad project in ETH history, I wanted to help them. Because at the end of the day, the user experience these people have, like a lot of these people, it was their first touch in Web3. So now you're going to fucking lose all their money and they're pissed. And are they going to come back? Some are not going to come back. So... Um, I was in there like talking to people and saying, Hey, we're trying to refund and we're trying to do it right. <clears throat> and, uh, there's a famous meme from that where it's a post of me saying I lost $23 trying to mint stoner cats. And you know what the best part of the story is? It, it was the first time I ever took a laptop on vacation for web three. I always left it at home. Like I don't need to do anything. I'm, I'm going to just rest. So I had this one ETH that I was going to mint two stoner cats. And I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and mint World of Women. <laughs> Let's go. So I minted 10. Yeah, I minted 10 World of Women and I bought a bunch on the secondary. And that was like the play of the summer. And uh, Stoner Cats was never profitable. How much did that make you? How much did the World of Women make you? I, I would honestly say almost a quarter mil. Wow. Was that one of your biggest wins in the space? It was one of the biggest plays in the space. And it's because another project fucked up. <laughs> What's the other project? Let me hear this. Okay. Stoner, stoner cats because you couldn't, so you could pay like 3000 gas and not be able to mint. So like I, I was sitting there with my son who was 10 at the time and we're trying to mint stoner cats and he's like, Oh daddy, we couldn't get it. And I was like, well, I have a feeling about this other project though. And then that became our thing, like following up on it all summer. So, you know, the first, the first experiences people have in web three can be very memorable or they can suck so like yuga really hurt the ecosystem with the other deed yeah meant because it was a lot people of, have fucking yeah they have super bowl parties first time experiences. i'll say a story to that right my neighbors like my door-to-door -door neighbors uh in miami florida they know about nfts they just never bought any okay they heard about the other deed land sale that was the biggest drop like everybody knew about it whether you're in NFTs or not. So they tried to mint. Obviously, they had no idea that, you know, you can lose your gas money or you should be putting priority gas when you try to go ahead and mint something this hype, right? They had, I believe, like three ETH in their wallet 
they go ahead they try to mint the three ETH is gone they got no product and now they're like you know what screw this this is a scam why well they ten thousand dollars almost trying to get an nft that they never got and then there's nobody that they can talk to to get that hard-earned money back so i totally agree with you with with, with that point of like the first experience somebody has in web3 or crypto or nfts is very important because it can either make your relationship uh, obviously with the space very cool and entertaining and want to use engage more or it can make it very shitty and be like you know what this is a scam yeah i think i mean with companies like yuga labs they have a responsibility to optimize their contracts and they're not doing that they're not meeting their responsibility to the community in addition to that i think ethereum is just flawed like you're not gonna get new people who don't know what nfts are into this space and tell them oh by the way you have to pay this much in gas fees in addition to what you're already paying. That's a huge no to people who already are skeptical about NFTs. So I think Ethereum long-term, I mean, we'll see what they do, but I just, I'm not, I'm not hopeful about Ethereum. Wow, bearish on Ethereum. <laughs> he dropped the bomb. She's wow. a maxi, a Bitcoin maxi. Anyways. Well, here, you know, I here's am, the I thing. Am. Like they're making Solana and Solana's cheaper. They had all these L1s. And the L1s can have these big hype cycles where the marketing and they're pushing people to use it. But what happens every time? The chain literally stops. Like, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Four or five times this year. I know, I know. But they're working on it. What's Ethereum doing? Gas fees have been high forever. There is no solution to that. Like, that's, it is what it is. That's just what it costs to maintain a network of that scale for that many users. Security. I mean, it, it can't be rugged. If you do it right, it cannot be rugged. That's why Otherwise, they, like, That's why ETH is ETH, because of the gas fees and because of what they do. So you look at Solana, well, maybe if they did charge a little bit more transaction fees for their network, they wouldn't shut down, right? It's, it's the tech itself. I mean, Bitcoin-inspired Ethereum. Ethereum is the best thing we have so far. Nope. I applaud people for trying. Yeah, I applaud people for trying. But, you know, at the end of the day this chain works and it, the gas fees go up because the network's under stress, but it still operates. It doesn't hang up. Yeah, but it just doesn't sound like that's the most efficient way to be trading goods and services with crypto. I think that's a lot of wasted value and in, in fees. It's like, it's and, like DoorDash. I don't know. It's like an Uber. You know, yeah. people here are, are taking Ubers all day. I'm taking a fucking subway because I don't mind walking and, and sit with my people. You know, it's like, so... It's just a matter of convenience. If, if people want to use the best decentralized, the closest thing we have to actual decentralization in the world economy is Ethereum. It's Bitcoin. Well, it's Bitcoin, but I, I can't trade art. Bitcoin's the only one that's truly decentralized. Ethereum, if you can pre-mine, it's, it's not true. decentralized. It's true. But Bitcoin, the Lightning people, they need to get it going because I want to see some NFTs. I want to see some fucking action. I agree. I agree. I want to see lightning go off. <laughs> well, because it's great. Everybody talks shit, but like, what's the alternative? You know, it's like you're, it's like you're married. You're married. You're talking shit on your spouse, but what's your alternative, though? <laughs> Who you got in the background? <laughs> Ain't nobody. Nobody right. wants you. So it's like you gotta make do with what you got. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. You're right. You have a point about that. Drew, did you see the uh, the Solana phone that they announced? I might cop the phone just to see what it's like. 
But I wanted to go back. I have a I have a hydrate shill, which is shameless, shameless plug. If people who wanted other deed had read my fourth medium article, they would have knew to wait a week. Prices came down, gas came down, they would have saved a lot of money. So I write on I write on medium and I really try to write about practical stuff that everybody needs to see right now. And uh, so the fourth article was about gas, where you can save on gas. Like most of the Ethereum transactions I do are set it and forget it. I fucking put that in, lowball the miners and go to sleep. And I wake up in the, I wake up in the morning and it's done and I saved 70%. So if people aren't doing that, like, all right, if you can pay to be impatient, fine. But really only if you're trying to snipe an NFT that you know someone else is going to get and you fucking have to have it. That is the only reason why you would use high gas or if you're trading a volatile shitcoin. So if I'm, you know, if I'm trading ApeCoin, that chart is busy. There's a lot of volume. I would either have to set my slippage higher and then put the gas low or set the gas high with low slippage and catch the wick. So it's, it's really only those two scenarios where you need high gas. Everything else, contract deployment, mint NFTs, buy NFT project that's down bad and no one's buying it. All those fun things that we're doing, you can set it, usually like you can set it 40% below what they're recommending as a rule. So what I do, I go to Etherscan, I look at the historical and, and I go through pages, like five, 10 pages of what was gas the last 100 or 200 blocks. And it will, show, it will show you where it's trending towards. Is it trending up? Is it trending down? And all right, I see it's an average of 40 guay. I'm going to set it at 30 and just let it sit there. Early morning Eastern time is great. Like four or five in the morning is usually the lowest gas. So this is the kind of alpha that hydrate.eth provides is like save you, save you money. So it's an art. But um, MetaMask is notorious for putting a 20 to 30% increase in the gas fee that you need right now. Yeah. So if it's 50 guay, they're putting it at 60. Yeah. They yeah. got to make money. And I'm like, yeah, I understand, but that's going all to the miners. So it makes me like the Yuga thing, the MetaMask thing. It makes me think that they fucking with the miners hard. Like they, they're tight with them because they're giving them a fucking gift. What are the big players that you're seeing in the Arabic ENS field? Well, domain? Three, three digit, four, four digit. Three so digit. the best like practical alpha right now is that four digit has not minted out yet. So I would recommend anybody, you know, go in and get a four digit for like a two, three month registration. And you can list it at, 100%, 200% profit or just wait. Or if there's a number that means something to you, get that in Arabic and just hold it. You know, that one third of the world is part of a religion where Arabic is at the core of it. And for me, I mean, I did Arabic in college. I was obsessed. So it's very, very like exotic, enchanting culture and language. And so people um, from all over the world love it and visit Arab countries, whether it's vacation, whether it's religious reasons, the, the Arab people have <laughs> the sauce. They have I, the fucking sauce. I agree. And I think, uh, I think, Mal, no, it's funny that you say that. Mm -hmm. Muhammad, right? Mahmoud. 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 <laughs> Lebnani. Uh, Suri. Suri. Everyone thinks I'm Suri. Yeah, I can see that. 
Yeah, so I can for the see viewers, that. We're saying Syrian. I asked him him if he was Lebanese. He said Syrian, yeah. which is right. Then that's the neighbor. Yep. Um, but there's so many countries that use Arabic. There's the Middle East. There's so many African languages that have Arabic words. Central mm -hmm. Asia. You know, at one point they used Arabic script in Poland. They used it in Turkey. They used it in Indonesia. So the, the Arabs got around. So um, basically, with the Arab, the Arab Arabic words. There's a little opportunity because sometimes they don't pace right or you could mint with tashkil. So the little diacritical marks, you could mint with those and mint the same word. So there's some technical improvements that need to happen. That's why the digits right now are the, are the play. Yeah, that does make sense. And it's funny you say that because there's this website you can look at. I forget what it's called, but basically you just look at trending questions what people are asking and if you look at crypto and nfts number two or number three is are is crypto halal or is nft halal yeah <laughs> which is really funny i think you're tapping into a really big market potentially in the future um but i mean it's also tough like given the the political climate let's say in countries like iran and syria um how are they going to navigate the crypto and NFT Web3 space? I don't know well, yet. I think it's a little bit unstable. It is unstable. So we have an Arabic ENS alpha group. And Threadgirl, we have Threadgirl, one of our uh, lady Web3. Uh, she's rock and rolling. She's from Lebanon and OpenSea banned her account. Wow. So she's going to other sites, but it's, it's rough because these... It's not like defined, like who is sanctioned and who's not. And technically, people could use yeah. Web three to to you know embezzle money, avoid sanctions. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It could be used by terror groups. Mm -hmm. So, I understand. Like, so in Web three, when you start to scale, you have to face regulation. You have to scale yeah. back on being de decentralized. So the question is, as these companies truly scale can they maintain that decentralized ethos? And, and really, Bitcoin has been the only uh, yeah. product that has done it, you know, just by design. So it's, it's a, a challenge for Ethereum, and it's, it's going to be a big test for the merge. Um, so, yeah, th there's been some stumbles there. I mean, but OpenSea DMCAing is sometimes like a badge of honor when they ban collections and stuff. Um, but right now, for example, if you mint an Arabic word with Tashkil, which are the little vowel marks, it won't show up on OpenSea. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even show up. You can't even right, sell it. Exactly. Yeah. So I think ENS should yeah. shut down the minting of those, like not allow those characters to be minted because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a mess if people really start adopting the Arabic names. Like, all right, example, the Arabic keyboard gives you a certain Unicode for Arabic numbers, but there's a Farsi Persian one that looks the same, but it's a different Unicode. So, yeah, it's a little yeah, different. So, you could mint stuff that to the outside viewer looks correct because you know the characters. But if you don't check the Unicode, you can get the wrong stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm so I'm Persian, and like when I'm reading Arabic, I can instantly tell, like, that's fucking Arabic. That's not Farsi, even though it's the same alphabet. If you're native, you can instantly tell. But yeah, on the retail side, if you want to make money off of that, you have to be careful. By the way, Hydrate, obviously, I've uh, personally read some of your stuff, so we definitely would love to host you on one of our newsletters. 
for our viewers that are watching, if you're new or not, we send out daily newsletters Monday through Friday, talk about everything cool inside the NFT space and obviously just find opportunities for you guys to be able to make money on. So if that's something you guys are interested in, make sure you hit the link in our uh, description and in our bio somewhere. Uh, and we'll have Drew hopefully write up a small article where we can share with you guys obviously some of, some of his findings. So. Uh, Love it. So just disclaimer, though, uh, if you have me on next time, you won't have the beautiful background. I will be in this. I will be <laughs> in the studio, though, so you can see my pretty face. Perfect. Perfect. I think right now we're getting the benefit of both your face and the background. 